3: Hi folks, I'll just take a wee minute out here to talk about NordVPN. Now, NordVPN are official club partner of Rangers, so you know that they're trustworthy. And trust is a big thing on the internet. I'm afraid that you can't trust people because there are lots of bad people out there who want to steal your data. And if you are using other wi-fi to your home network if you are out and about and you use wi-fi or your 4g when you're outside 5g whatever then hackers are able to get to your information and it's such a pain if you've ever been hacked and you've had to change passwords or you've had to change bank cards etc it is so so time consuming and you don't need to do it because all you need to do is sign up to nordvpn and know you're protected and of course if you're ever going on a short holiday then you know what I'm talking about, you know where you can go to get absolutely thousands of options of where your internet is. But security is the key thing, let's face it. And you can get 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand and use the code heart and hand, you will get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. So just go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand, use the code heart and hand, And be protected. Get up to 73% off your NordVPN plan and a bonus gift. Christmas is coming.
0: Good evening and welcome back to and Hand Extra, your second free show of the week. I am your host, Adam Thornton, and on tonight's show we will discuss Wednesday's 2-0 win against St. Johnston and look ahead to tomorrow's match against Dundee United at Ibrox. I am delighted to be joined firstly by Laura Lothian.
1: Hello everybody.
0: And Andy McGowan. Hi folks. Okay, so yep, thank you for both for coming on. Um, we're going to talk about the St. Johnson game as I said. We'll run through some of the key points from that game, Laura. So let's just start with that then. Uh, only the one change to the team with uh, Fashion Sakala dropping out and and Hadji coming in. I, I guess it's a different kind of challenge to playing Hearts away, St. Johnson at home, and we've also got a bit of a busy schedule. Did you expect to be a bit more rotation than this, or were you pretty happy with with that lineup?
1: I didn't actually, and yeah, I was I was pretty happy with the lineup. I actually expected it to be the same as Hearts away, if I'm being honest. But when I saw the change, I completely understood the reasoning behind behind the change, and I was happy happy with the change with Hadji for for Sakala. Yeah, no complaints and, from
0: me. Andy, uh, I guess in these type of games, it it maybe makes sense to have another creative player there like Hadji rather than maybe somebody like Sakala who. Maybe wants to play in the shoulder a bit more. I know you've got your doubts about Hadji, but can you understand that that logic? Or even in this kind of game where St. Johnstone were always going to sit in, would you still have had maybe someone like Sakala playing instead?
2: No, I think there's a, I think this is Hadji's specialty. I think this this is where he's going to find his niche for us, certainly in the short term. And and Van Brockhurst clearly likes him because you know he's been in, in his team more often than not. So when you say I've got my doubts about Hadji, I've. Uh, I'll qualify that. I'm asking Hadji the same questions I was asking Arebo two seasons ago, which mm-hmm. is just for a wee bit more a wee bit more colour instinct to become one of the main players that you can actually think that you can build the team around, because that's where we're at with Arebo, so my, my my criticism of Hadji is qualified by that, that I know he's a work in progress but that's the kind of pressure he needs to put himself under the exact same thing that happened to Aribo, which is progression progression until a. We can see, and I'm sure we'll speak about it, the maturity coming where he's he's actually becoming a, a, a ultra key player for us.
0: Let's just talk about that then, because I think Aribo is dominating the the conversation over certainly over the past couple of weeks, and I think in in this game as well. But Andy, I'm going to stick with you here. Uh, that midfield three that we've seen was Arfield, Aribo, and Kamara. Second game in a row, I think it's maybe the third or fourth time out of the seven games that Van Bronckhorst has played it. It certainly seems to be coming. The default domestically, and already after only what a month or so, um, it's a bit crazy to think that the default used to be Jack Davison, and Kamara in midfield. When you see the, the kind of skill set of that three that we've got now,
2: aye. So we're kind of we're we're kind getting to the point where we're seeing what Van Bronckhorst thinking is, and it's clear that Kamara is his main defensive midfielder of choice, and he's quite comfortable to with a one. Rather than the two, he obviously trusts Arfield implicitly, and he probably sees Arfield offering something that the others don't, which is probably that kind of third man run that he does that we've seen. Um, and the rebo has been given, as far as I can see, much more responsibility in the team. And I know that sounds ridiculous that it wasn't a given responsibility beforehand. That's not what I'm saying. He's he's the main man in the centre of our defence. Uh, sorry, our attacking quartet, if you like, Um, and he's very, very much more influential in terms of being the main man. So um, I I think that's what we can take for Van Brockhurst, that he's settled on, these are the three players that I trust most as it stands in terms of the midfield. And we've got to be honest, it's worked, it's brought a wee bit of a different dimension to the team. We've seen seen those those runs, I mean, we've seen our field at Livingston where, where the diagonal from Goldson. Sorry, it was uh, Tavernier for that, wasn't it? But it was still a diagonal, a wee bit uh, closer in, but a diagonal over the top for for Arthur running on. We've seen it at Tynecastle, goals in diagonal for Arreola making a run, and it's something that happens quite a lot. If you're watching the game at the at the stadium, you can see those runs quite often during the game. So he's obviously noticed something that um, was in the Gerrard team, and I I, I kind of commented before that if we didn't have a front three or front four firing. We kind of struggled. There was never, ever really a massive threat apart from set-pieces for getting goals from around the park. Tavenier and, and Barisic had kind of dried up this season in terms of goals by comparison to last year. So it's, it's very interesting to see what he's done with the, with the team. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what, what he do, does, i.e. up at Potaudry or at Parkhead because it's I don't think it's an open uh, team set-up but it's very different from Gerard's kind of Benitez style uh, away game formation. So I'm interested to see what he does with Camara, if he brings another midfielder in to sit with him for those kind of games.
0: Yeah, that is going to be interesting. I I thought against, um, against Hearts he might have um, done that, but the fact that he hasn't, I guess, leaves that absolutely open to. The possibility, so that's that's very interesting to see as we get through this month to see what he does in in both of those games. Laura, I want to get your thoughts on on Aribo. As as Andy said, um, he's been huge for for the last few weeks or so. He's he's a player that I, I've struggled with at times because absolutely fantastic on the ball. I think he he, he is the most probably the most skillful player at the club in, in terms of that. But for me, there was always a little bit there where I was maybe putting him on a Unfair expectation because of how much quality he had, and you kind of want to you want to see him dominating teams. Every team in Scotland really has the quality to dominate, um, and I think we're starting to see that over the last couple of weeks. And I think a big part of that, like Andy mentioned, Laura was as those direct runs that he's making into the box, the goals that he's getting. I think he's now joint top. It's not not after last night well, there, sorry, but he's got six six league goals this season. I think he only got eight last season in, in total, so he's clearly adding that to his games. Specifically since Van Bronckhorst came in, and he's absolutely the form player in the country right now.
1: Yeah, I've I've really been enjoying Aribo since Van Bronckhorst came in, and I think he's he's kind of starting to offer that he's starting to offer that side of Aribo that we all sort of knew was there, but we weren't really getting to see. And he's he's definitely benefited the most from this slight tweak in found, in formation. And he's like, like really, really suiting in this new role. And I actually was thinking of you when he scored against Hearts, with them being a top <laughs> six team. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm really loving this idea of you And I hope he, I hope he keeps it up. Obviously, we all hope he keeps it up. But I, I'd really love to see him really kick on and, and see if he can go an extra step and offer even more than what he's doing just now. But superb so far.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, I want to talk about those long balls, Andy, that you mentioned, because there's even a wee bit of a difference to those with, with Golson. He, he does them a lot, like you said, but earlier in the season, or maybe last season, it would be a long ball to maybe Kent or Barisic kinda to yeah. switch play over to that side. Well, they're useful for kind of getting the ball forward or, or switching over to over, overlap. They weren't really slicing a defence open in the way that, that they're doing now. You've seen that. Uh, against leon and the two early ones against Hearts, the first one and then obviously the second one for that in- incredible goal um it's just a bit more incisive i think and and it's Aribo is clearly benefiting from being a bit further forward, but also the fact that ghost is able to pick him out in those those areas it's it's a nice little combo that
2: so it's all in there it's too easy to say it's all in the run, but if you're a defending team, you need to look at it for that perspective because I think we were pretty predictable in terms of how we would attack in that manner, so yeah. a quick counter in that manner would, as you say, Kent was really, him and Barisic were the only ones, because it had to be from right to left, so it's either going to Kent or Barisic, and generally was received really wide, really wide, so it's different now because it's quite incisive through the middle, and it can be a, a, a literal over the top, and, and Arfield and Arriba, what I've seen, they're in a kind of piston motion, one yep. goes, one drops, and therefore it's very difficult for the defending team and their their midfielders and centre halves, defenders, to monitor that because you've you've then got to go with the runner. They might be doing it four or five times before actually the ball's played. You know, so with these false runs, you've got to be t- totally alert for that. And all it takes is it for t- for it to work once, when you're straight through. And that's what you have seen in, in Sunday at Tynecastle. So it is a pretty potent weapon and I think we don't we shouldn't understate the skill involved for for Golson because Golsen's always been really good at this. But yeah. it's not an easy thing to do. That's not a punt. It was something it was something that all um, older listeners and I don't know how I I date myself every time I come on a pod, but Terry Butcher was was pretty special at putting balls over the head of um the likes of Durant, uh Robert Flight when he played a wee bit deeper sometimes. So it's it's not an easy thing to do. So it's not just like a team can say, "Ah, let's just play that diagonal." The Rangers play Van Dijk does it for Liverpool. Um, so it's it's a really potent thing that I think Van Bronckhurst has picked up on. I think it's the main reason that Arfield's in the team because he really is the one other midfielder that we've got that's got the ability to to play as a uh, a, a kind of second striker. You know, I, we we've seen him a couple of seasons ago for a good run of games late in the season. When he did it with Defoe, he played off of DeFoe. So he's got the ability to play there. But what he does now is he plays as a midfielder and drifts into that position time you know as a kind of ghost. So um I think it's really good. I think it's it's progress. It adds something to our makeup. We're no one dimensional I'm not that we were one dimensional, but we were getting pretty uh, predictable, I think, in our play with with the the Bill formations. I think teams are wise to it, and that may have been the reason that we were struggling a wee bit at home um, but certainly we've got a different dynamic now and it's also aided by the fact that you'll have noticed that we are playing football wherever we want on the park we're playing more football at the back than we have for a long, long time because we did that under Gerard, and we kind, we kind of abandoned it we kind of stopped doing it as much as we used to if you think back to the kind of front, front end of last season We were playing football all over the back third. Um, The the Galatasaray goal comes to mind. We're kind of back to that now. I can't remember once where McGregor kicked the ball up the park from his hands um, at all against St. Johnson. So it seems to be a thing where they're encouraged to draw out the opposition by playing as deep as they want. Sometimes a wee bit risky, but I don't think we've had any major scares so far. But it's definitely something I've noticed is is getting more and more prominent as the weeks go on under under Van Bronckhorst. And you've got you've got to then say, right, is this influencer uh, Dave Voss coming in? Because it's a very Dutch thing, isn't it? So yeah, most welcome, most welcome.
0: Definitely, I think that flexibility of it is is key. You think back, and it would have been pretty straightforward for. McGregor even just to roll the ball out to Goldson and then you're expecting Goldson to hit that diagonal or, or try and play through to Kamara and Davis and it, it takes a bit longer whereas now I'm noticing definitely the ball's coming out to Goldson or Bassey and the passing into feet for Arribo Morelos has been a lot sharper as well a lot, they're kind of pun- punching the ball between the between the lines if you like um, and it's just uh, they're probably not even riskier passes than, than the switch you'll play but it just gets you up with the field quicker and then when you're there obviously you've got the two attacking midfielders, like you said, whether it's Eribo playing as an 8 or Afield playing as a 10 or, or switching, it's so difficult to, to mark. So 100% I think that flexibility is certainly starting to come through uh, after a month or so. But, um, in terms of the St Johnson game itself, I thought the first 15-20 minutes of the game, Rangers were excellent. Um, so many opportunities for Kent and I think that speaks to that that point you mentioned there, getting him the ball, Goldson playing into Eribo or playing straight to Kent and getting him to isolate Sean Rooney one-on-one at the edge of the box he had to I think three shots maybe four shots in that time it's still a little weird to me not to see Barisic bombing down the outside of Kent on on these occasions but Kent is so good one-on-one that he should really be able to create from there without without needing that kind of dummy run uh that was the that was the big thing for me I think in the first 20 minutes how, how often he was getting that that shot away
1: yeah definitely I'm, I am I kind of sit around about that area of Ibrox so I noticed that that Kent was just getting he was getting so much joy against Rooney as well. Like it just felt like every time that he got got one on one against him he was going to get a shot away. Um I do kinda miss this like the whole full backs and forward thing but as Andy said earlier, they kinda had they weren't as potent this year as they had been in previous seasons. So I, I still think it's there is an option. There's a couple of times where he'll go in the overlap, but it's just like not every time. And I was talking to Laura Clark about this on a pod, on a fantasy football pod, actually, whether with them going going forward 10 times a match instead of 30, whether you're actually going to get a bit more quality of cross or quality cutback, as opposed to just whipping the ball in constantly, constantly. So, but yeah, um, Kent was absolutely superb in the first 20 minutes. I thought the whole, whole time I just thought a goal was eventually coming, which obviously it did, but... Yeah, I I'm loving like this version of Kent. I really do like Ryan Kent though as a player, always have.
0: Yeah, me too. I'm a big fan. I thought it was I thought it was fantastic in this game. Um, Andy, yeah, after that kind of spell, 20 minutes or so, I don't know if it's me being a wee bit overcritical, but I actually thought we were maybe becoming a wee bit predictable. Um, we were still dominating and we weren't playing poorly, but there were a few kind of aimless crosses from deep from from Tavernier and a, a wee bit of maybe trying to pass it into the net. Uh, a little bit with St. Johnson happy to sit in. But then we spoke about one center half taking initiative earlier on. It took Bassi going on a bit of a rampage and run to force a corner, um, okay. to really give us that that kind of impetus. Um, it's he's got shades of Baghera there sometimes. I think when he just takes it upon himself to go, uh, and he's just so strong and quick that you can imagine opposition defenders being like, "How on earth do we do we deal with this?" So there's a wee bit of maybe chaos there that he can bring if something is getting a yep. bit predictable that that can force something.
2: So I've been, uh, like most Rangers fans, I've been utterly delighted with Bassi since he uh, stepped up when Balligan got injured. Because I think after the Sparta-Prague away game, most of had a fear over Bassi because he, he looked he looked pretty shambolic over there in terms of positioning and, and decision making. And he's been the absolute opposite of that for, for a good few games now. And he's he's got major attributes. So you're thinking when he played at left back and how good he was in an tank sense in terms of going by players, you know, the double shuffle, his cross balls, uh, getting into the box, you know, he, he, he kind of rampaged into the box many a time at left back and really should have done better with his final kind of finish. So to see him at centre half, his football ability I think has been one of the major plus points for the Van Bronckhorst era because... He looks perfectly at ease as a left-sided uh, centre-half alongside Goldson. His passing's excellent. And then, as you say, if he sees an opportunity to step in, step forward, he can't beat that. Because if you've got a team that's lined up against you in lines, like St. Johnson, and like most teams we face at Eyebrooks, there's n- nothing in the script for them to actually counter that. Because once he's passed it, once he's broke one line, the yeah. juice, the word that, your, your word is exactly correct. is chaos. Because... They then don't know what to do because this isn't in the, the plan. They're not expecting a centre half to step forward in that manner and break one, maybe two lines, which he did there. So it's about this variation that we're allowed to have now in this team because we've got options all over. And we're a team of confidence just now. So it's great to see that the centre half knows that if he does that, Kamara's positional sense gives him that insurance as well because as we've seen, Kamara drops quite easily and that's part of his radar. So um we did go we, it started to worry me in that that first half because the first twenty minutes I thought there is no danger here, we're going to win this game. It's just a matter of getting a breakthrough and then and then going on for there. Um but as it got to the kind of thirty-five minutes, I'm turning to my my, my pal beside me and I'm saying St. Johnson I'll be delighted with this now because I've weathered the storm. They looked to be getting comfortable in their shape. They were well drilled and disciplined as we know they can be. And it wasn't that we were running out of ideas. We were not running out of ideas, but they were getting, you know, we were just weren't as uh, incisive as I hoped. And I thought, they get to time, they'll be really, really uh, delighted. And then we come out, and there's just that wee bit of pressure then when you come out with another 45 minutes to go, and you and you know you've got to win this game. So I was, I mean, it was a delight to get the goal at that point in the in the, in the first half, because it just took all the pressure off and then it was just a matter of, you know, the, the new phrase, keeping a zero, is something that I think we're, we're pretty adept at in, in terms of Van Bronckhorst thinking. So uh, Bassie takes a lot of credit. I think when Balligan's fit, fully fit again, there's a question mark whether he gets back in, you know. That's how good Bassie's been. He's um, he's pushed himself ahead of Jack Simpson as the third choice uh, centre-half, whilst Hellander's injured. And... Um, I suppose, again, much like I'm saying about uh, Van Bronckhurst's decision-making for for up at Pataudry and at Parkhead, that may be the acid test for Basic because in the, in the Scottish League, he's passed the Tyne Castle test and then after that you've got Pataudry and, and Parkhead Is probably two games where you would class them as acid tests for Rangers players. So um, I'm, I would have no fear about putting him in either game just now.
0: Livingston away is probably top five as well. So no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I think right now, to be honest, if there was a if there was a straw poll, I think Bassi's coming out in favour of uh Bassie's probably coming out higher than, yeah. than Alligan. If we get through these next four games, is Bassi coming out higher than Hellander? I am not quite sure, but um I think we he certainly has been absolutely fantastic. And a point that you, you touched on there, um, is, is kinda of Kamara coming coming in and playing as that number six or single pivot or whatever you want to call it, but also dropping into that defence, like you said, Andy, that's happening quite a lot out yeah, of possession, I noticed it against Hearts I noticed it again in St Johnson, if Bassi does want to foray forward then he's probably got a bit more comfort there that Barisic is maybe 10 or 15 yards further back than he would have been but also Kamara is going to be in there to, to kind of cover and it's not necessarily he's just going to fill a gap, sometimes he just comes right back like you said and almost makes it a, a three so I think that probably helps to, to balance that out which is good, it's just again flexibility depending on the situation in the game, they'll just drop and change however they want to which is, which is great to see Laura, the, the goal then, um, great goal. It's just a, it's a simple it's a simple corner kick, but we've scored so many of these over the last 18 months or so. Um, with this move, it looks so simple, but that outswinger, the flick on, um, and is peeling off at the back post to to nod it in. It's a goal he scored. Twice or three times anyway that I can remember. Certainly last year on the 1-H against, against Celtic was one of the first times I remembered him, him doing it. You could probably argue the Callum McGregor own goal in January when rebo flicked it on. It was coming to Morelos at the back post if, if McGregor hadn't put it in. So it's a move that we do. Um, but I want to give Morelos a good bit of credit here because it's just perfect the way that he peels off the defender who goes to try and challenge the ball and it gives him just such an easy tap in. And he's absolutely back amongst the goals now.
1: Yeah, that's what I was actually going to say. It was an absolute carbon copy of that goal against that he got against Celtic in the one each draw last year. Um, I think it's it's very difficult to be to be critical of Morelos at the moment because I know t- towards the end of Gerrard's tenure he was getting a a lot of stick, and then practically in Giovanni's first game he he scored two goals um, by playing more as a striker I guess than being in the deeper role but yeah Morelos does deserve a lot of credit for that goal um and it got us got us on our way to to the three points but yeah I think we've got that cre- we've also got that quality still from from both full backs can still put in a a pretty good corner when they want to <laughs> 100% it's
0: always we can always rely on it from from CPCs, if, if, if they're doing it less from, from open play, like you said, I think that's absolutely fair. Andy, five goals in six games, I think that is now for, for Morelos under uh-huh. under Van Bronckhorst. Um, it's brilliant to see. I'm not quite sure we've seen the um, Alfredo Morelos of old that we probably threatened to see after the the Sparta Prague game, but um, I think this game was probably quite close to it. Um, for me, I thought he was he was really good. we seeing him kind of dropping into that right hand side. Uh, For the channel, he's maybe dropping a bit deeper than we would probably like. But when you've got Sakala, Arfield, Aribo running beyond them, it kind of limits that a little bit for me. So I'm not really too concerned about it. But what what was your thoughts on his performance overall? I
2: I think we're getting closer to the dynamic all-action Buffalo that we we know and love. We've not been able to put our finger on it for long and weary what was wrong um, this season about him we still contributing but nowhere near to the level that, that we need for our, our, our main striker to be doing. But something's changed. I suspect it's a refreshing mentality. I think it's um the fact that Kent is creating more space for him because he's just that touch wider. I think he revelled in it at Tencastle having the double pace of Sakala and Kent either side of him. I don't think we should understate the fact that Aribo behind them. um changes things a wee bit as well because I just I just think Aribo is attracting attention for so many opposition players when he's on the ball that Morelis is able to find a wee bit more space whereas he was probably occupying the space that was occupying just now to be honest, isn't he? He was always dropping that five, ten yards deeper than 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 he used to. And he just seems to have a bit more confidence and, and that's probably coming for his goals. Um so a fit and firing Alfredo Morelos solves a lot of problems for us, doesn't he? Because if you jump forward to um, the, the transfer window in January, if we had Morelos in the form he was in, I think the calls would be to chip, cash in chips to, to replace him. Um, I think that question's been dampened a fair bit now because if, if Morelos is playing as he's playing just now and getting better and contributing and scoring goals, then you. I don't really want to sell him, I'd, I'd rather see him, you know, kept for as long as possible until, you know, the, the Ross Wilson or whoever it is in the football department makes a decision to say, right, I, this is now the optimal time to sell him. So um, I'm, I'm pretty delighted with this. Um, I'm, a, I'm hoping it's not just a new manager bounce, and I'm hoping that it's the influence of the combined management team. And I'm interested to see or to find out if it's anything to do with Roy Mackay, because You know, Roy Mackay was a fantastic all-round striker. He was a kind of hustling, bustling physical striker himself with no short degree of skill. So I'm wondering what the influence there is on on Morelos because you'd go to presume that Mackay's sitting there saying, I I would love to bolt him because, well, we know he's got a lot of attributes. So it's interesting. I hope it it continues.
0: Yeah, those are the things you would just absolutely love to know, wouldn't you, in terms of those kind of, Intangibles. How much influences uh, are you having on him? I guess even Roy McKay probably doesn't doesn't even know that himself because ultimately he can give he can give guidance etc. But it's up to the, the players to actually go and do it on the pitch. Um, the Morelos selling thing is is a bit interesting for me because obviously he's only got 18 months left in his contract. Yep. I think most people would agree that the how do you, how do you word this? The best time to sell him is probably gone, uh, and I don't mean that in a and there would be, I just mean in terms of the kind of trajectory that he was on. Um he's now kinda of rounding off into a more complete player, maybe a less like kind of explosive, exciting player, um than he was. So I just wonder the the age he's at, etc, He's not exactly that that old, but um is he going to get back to that type of player? I'm not sure. I guess it depends what clubs are looking for, but I think ultimately to maximise his value, um he's probably gonna need another contract and I, I don't
2: should she or that. See, see, on that, Adam. So I, I kind of go against popular um, opinion here in terms of contracts because I think you can't. You'll, you'll never get every player sold before the end of the contract, and you will get players that actually say, Do you know what? I'm quite comfortable. I'm going to run this down." And that is unfortunately the danger of modern football, modern contracts. And I think we're a wee bit. Um, What's the word when you've got a kind of bias towards re- recent events? I think we're thinking about Celtics' experiences with Edward yeah. um, and and Cham and all that kind of, all the kind of players where they just couldn't get a tune out of their players that were running down their contracts. Now, that's not always the case. You can still get a tune out of players that are running down their contracts. In fact, sometimes you can get more of a tune out because they're highly motivated to show their worth in their final months if they've not got a deal or the deal that they want lined up. It's a very, very fine balance there. So you're 100% correct now that we're in that zone with Morelos where of stick a to twist because if he's at 18 months, this is kind of the window where if you don't sell him now, you're probably going to be, you don't hold the cards. And if you go into his last 12 months, then then you certainly don't hold the cards. But um, uh, you know, if if Rangers think they can get a tune out a player in the last twelve months his contract, then you've got to back their judgment because I think the, the Goldson experience this year has been it's been i uh, 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 I've been disappointed at the f- support because a lot of support of uh, even prior to the Hibs kind can, can of comments, a lot of your support have just made their mind up and say he's not playing for us because he's he's got twelve months. I don't think Goldson's performances have been that bad, you know. They've no. kind of reverted back to what they were prior to the Invincible season, um, and but in the last four games he's been he's been absolutely fantastic. He's hardly put a foot wrong. So it kind of flies in the face that you can't have a player playing well because he's in his his twilight his contract. So I think we need to go to this kind of mentality that it's black and white. A player gets it his last 12 months, therefore we must sell him. It's about the squad because we'll have players there that have got longer contracts that we might want to cash in. We talked about Hadji earlier. He might be the one that they're sitting there saying, you know what? He's on a longer contract. He'll be the one that makes up the money that the the offsets a player running down their contract." So it's something I think we need to get, you know, take it up. So if just like selling players is going to become the norm, you're going to have players that do see out their contract. That is modern football. That is modern contracts.
0: I wonder if um, the players that I guess in question are talking about then are the, the high value ones. I guess would be Morelos, Aribo. Kent. Uh, I guess all three are fan favourites I would say. Kent can still get quite a bit of criticism that I don't really get, but certainly Morelos and Naribo on the whole are are fan favourites. Golson never has been for reasons that I can't understand and even now you get the impression that there's a bit of grudging praise from some people and they're just dying to say, I but you never signed the contract. So I think the Golson experience, I I completely agree with with what you've said. Other than a a couple of goals early doors, maybe one in Malmo and maybe another one I don't think he's done, it. he's done much wrong at all. He just kind of gets bundled into the general we conceded lots of goals type thing. However, Aye. with those type of players that are more kind of liked, if you like, I hate saying that, but more more kind of favourites within the support, maybe things would soften towards them if they're still doing the business as well, like you said. But we'll, we'll see. It's going to be a very interesting transfer window in January, certainly, because like you said, we, we need to either maybe get short one or two in terms of maximising value or, or get a few signed down to contracts. So it's going to be interesting on the on the transfers out, never mind the transfers in. Uh Laura, in the second half of the game, and we've probably seen I think the goal of the season so far, certainly team goal of the season for us. Um, similar to our fields against Galatasaray last year. Um in the build up kind of nice passing move, but then it kind of merges into Kent's goal against Antwerp, I thought Laura. Um really sharp passing down the right hand side, Tavernier Hadji... Aribo slips Morelos in and he moves towards goal before squaring it to Kent who sweeps it home. Laura, I don't know whether I was more surprised about the goal itself or Morelos not having a shot from the position that he was in.
1: You're literally stealing all my stuff that I've got to say. I was going to say the exact exact same thing about that being like the goal against Antwerp when Morelos (laughs) squared it across to Kent. Uh, I thought he was going to take the shot on as well. Um, so I was quite surprised to see him uh, to see him pass it to Kent, but obviously delighted that it, that it went in the back of the net. Um, I, at one point, I actually thought the St Johnston defender was going to get a foot to it, but he missed it, and then Kent just—I don't want to use the cliche, but he, he, he couldn't miss really. But it was a brilliant, brilliant finish from him. Um, absolutely superb and it was the goal that his performance, again another cliche, the goal that his performance I felt really deserved on, them, on Wednesday night
0: Yeah Andy Kent, it's only Kent's second goal of the season which mm-hmm. I find a, bit, find a bit strange and it's, this is probably where my hypocrisy comes in because I, I'm, I'm always banging on about oh, any needs to do this, any needs to do that but I, I kind of overlook that that type of that side of Kent's game where um, I think he offers so much more as does a rebuild, but can offers so much more than just kind of straight goals and assists. But ultimately, if you're playing attacking midfield or a front three for Rangers, you really need to be um, having more than two goals, I think, um, at this stage in the season. So that is something that, that I think he absolutely needs to work on. And it was, it was good to see him get that one.
2: Aye, so so for your rebo, you just substitute Haji for me because I'm I'm the same, and I'm sure the st- the statisticians will say, well, Haji's numbers are pretty good over the piece. Um, but the thing is, it's it's the eyes, isn't it? It's what you see. Kent Kent is a constant threat, even when he's not got the ball now, because of this wide stance he takes. It's stretching the opposition back forward because they their full back, their right full back, just has to be. A wee bit wider than probably there would be when when Ken played that kind of inside right position that it, it, it was more favoured. by Gerard inverted. I'm starting to say like you here, but inverted winger style. So Ken, we're talking about Aribo and we're talking about Kent, they two players, when they've got they're, when they're in the zone, are the two most skillful, entertaining, fantastic to watch players in Scottish football. Without question, I don't care what MDCs you can talk about. You know, Kai, Kai Ogle and, and Jota who who obviously is a great player to watch. But see they too. they two are two players that could walk into most of the English Premiership. I think I think um going back to the kind of topic we Tommy talking about, about contracts, I think they're are most sellable two assets. And uh I I just love watching Kent when he's on form. And but he should be getting more goals. You're right he gets into great positions and sometimes he's finishing just as an up scratch. I actually thought he was going to he nearly miss that, that goalie he scored because uh, the guy in front of me jumped up just before he, you know, before he kicked it and all I seen was the goalie getting a touch to it. It was a kind of, it would have been a more aesthetically pleasing goal if he'd kind of skewered that into the top corner or something instead of scuffed it under the goalie but I'm actually looking for perfection. But um, I'm much we're talking about Rebo in the zone and uh, Bassey Kent is is coming on his own. He looks super confident. He looked fantastic at Tyne Castle. He doesn't need to be Mister Brian Loudrum and involved in everything. All he needs to be is be effective when he gets his opportunities. And he is getting by players. He's just he's just going by players. This is this is what we're seeing now, isn't it? He's getting a double shuffle back on form. He's getting by players at pace. He's hurting teams. I like to see him really pierce the the penalty box because as we've seen at Hibs. You can't touch them, you know. Any any defender that wants to put a foot in, far less go to ground against them in the box, you're taking your life in your hands. So, I think Van Bronckhorst has noted, noticed this and, and is using them in a in a a much more conventional winger style, where you know, get by your man, get in the box, create chaos, and I love it. So, um, yeah, he needs to get more goals, but um, his overall contribution to the team is always good, even when he's not playing well, right? So even when he's not doing his stuff attacking-wise, he stops so many attacks, it goes unnoticed. He works so hard to get back in front of his opposite number, and he done that particularly well at Tencastle Castle on Sunday. The number of times he just worked that extra uh, 10, 15 yards to get in front of the guy with the ball if he, if we were caught when a, not a counter, but if, if hearts were, were mounting a, um we're, we're getting beyond him. So I he's his attitude's fantastic.
0: I think as well, um now that we're seeing seven or eight games, you can you can start to see things happen and we can't just take things game by game. But I ca I can count on one hand the amount of times I've seen Kent dropping way back in his half to pick up the ball, which was always yep. a bit flag like to me that that things weren't weren't going very well. He that was having to come so deep. All these little jigsaw pieces that we've mentioned, with, with Goldson playing the ball forward, Bassey getting forward, Arebo and Arfield being there, all of that pushes Kent's starting position further up the park. And like you said, he basically gets the ball on the edge of the box now and is able to make things happen, which I think is probably beneficial for him um, as well. I think he had more shots in this game than he's probably had in the 10 before that, to be honest, which is which yeah. quite a lot. And you think about Livingston, you think about Hibbs as well. He was the man that was getting on the ball and, and shooting. We can debate whether that's right, whether he can do better or not, but he's certainly getting those opportunities, which is which is great. Laura, um, fairly comfortable to win in the end. Um, we dominated the entire game. I think St Johnson only had two or three shots, and it came late in the second half. Could have been three or four, I think, to, to Rangers without any trouble at all. Um, looking at those first seven games for Van Brockhorst, it's all been... Incredibly positive, really, hasn't it? Not even a hint of criticism. Players are playing well, making these little tactical tweaks to suit each uh, individual opponent. Uh, And most importantly, we've only conceded two goals in that run and one of them was a a bit of a sclaff against Leon and a dead rubber.
1: Yeah, all the early signs are are really, really promising, aren't they? Um, I don't really have any criticism. I've seen a lot online stuff like that criticising criticising Barisic for the goal against against Leon and there, there's no hiding from the fact that that he doesn't stop the cross but what confu- what not confuses me but it's always been a weakness so I, I'm not necessarily sure that it's ever going to change like I've noticed he has stopping a couple of crosses but I still think he is going to be really really open to to that happening Um, I guess just do we just have to accept it, or like, can we change it at this late stage in his career? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it would yeah. be one of those one of those things that we're kind of mitigating now by having him a little bit deeper. There's still probably going to be those situations. I mean, this is the thing that I think Martin said on the flagship. Like, some teams will play well against you. We can't expect to not have a shot because either against us. There will be situations where a team is going to make a chance, or, unless it's going to be every single game, like or every single attack like we were seeing earlier in the season then I don't think it's too much to worry about personally if there's if there's one or two opportunities but I think you're right I think that's maybe that goal there is maybe the one that I thought that was maybe a little bit preventable but overall I think we're we're all we're doing very well Andy I know St George have been having a poor season um but I thought they might have offered be up more than they did um be a bit of a shame I think that they've not been able to replicate last season's form um I thought they'd managed to at least kind of not necessarily kick on for that, but at least managed to stabilise a little bit. That being said, um, it's probably still easy to underestimate teams like St. Johnson or, or Livy away. Um, but we've managed to dispatch them fairly easily, I would say.
2: Uh, aye, and, and without turning this into St. Johnstone podcast, they, they've suffered a wee bit of the same syndrome that we have. Whereas they've had an exceptionally good season, s- totally surpassed expectations where we won the league without getting beaten. They won two Cups, which is unheard of. And it's it's hard to maintain that kind of level because expectations got, but also I think mentally you you you, you can expire a lot of, a lot of effort there, and I think the first well up until last couple of weeks I think most of your team have been suffering for that. But a game against St Johnson, what you know you're going to get is a very very organised team. Davidson has got them well well drilled. They have got a mixture of players in there that. You know, ability wise, they're never going to be stellar, but as a as a unit, they're pretty effective. I think Chris Kane is pretty key in them, and the fact that he was missing neutered them a wee bit. Um, but, see uh, right now, we've lost six points at home, and if we had these six points, where would we be? It be, would be, be an easy street, but be 10 points ahead of Celtic, things would be a totally different landscape. You'd be going to Parkhead with a huge margin for error. And uh, therefore home games we have got to be thankful for dispatching teams regardless of who they are, regardless of their form. Same goes for Dundee United. Um in the forthcoming game. So uh, I am taking nothing for granted because of that mother hearts in in Aberdeen. Those those three drop points haunt me. Um and, and it's a fact that we we just kinda do that. We can't give any more points away for um our home games. So I'm I'm delighted. I, I would like to have seen goals, I've got to be honest, and I think, and I, I, we're talking about features of Van Bronckhorst Rangers. The feature that I, I would point out is, in most games, we should have scored more. We should we should have got the third at Tain Castle, and I think if we'd have got that third, you know, when you think of Arfield through and Craig Gordon, I think if we'd got that, then we'd have gone and we'd have went on and got another two. You know, it could have been a four or five nothing because we were just sitting and playing on the counter as a deliberate ploy and and when without going back to that game too much, Robbie Nielsen's talking about how well they played. They played they played well or they appeared to play well because we gave them the ball and says, when you go and we'll we'll pick you off. We just never go at that third goal. And again last the against Johnson, we should have scored more. We should have scored more. And David Edgar said it on Twitter, I think somebody's gonna get a tanking. Um so hopefully well I don't really care when it is, but it would be nice to have a wee mini tanking up Petodrin and keep some left over for parky. That would be nice.
0: Absolutely, that would be great. Um yeah, the five games I think is eleven goals. Five league the games eleven goals scored. So you're right, it's just over <coughs> sorry, just over two a game. I think um it would have been good to get a couple more in there if we're being mega, mega picky, but I think everything is is trending up the way. Um looking ahead to Dundee the United then, Laura, the only other team than the ones Andy mentioned to to take points off us and the only team to beat us this season. Um, I think they're struggling a bit with Covid, like a couple of teams are just now. They are still fourth, even if their form has been pretty poor recently. Is there any kind of fantasy football insights from Dundee United players that we should be aware of? Anybody that we need to be um, watching out for? <laughs> Do
1: you know, there's not really. Um, to be honest, um, like Dundee United results have actually like, really surprised me because they've not, not got a striker that really stands out. Um, they've got a couple of defenders that are decent, but they've obviously got a uh, to who I think was considered probably the second best goalkeeper in the league last season behind behind Alan McGregor. Um, so him making all his saves and keeping the score down is, is kinda is probably their their secret because they don't don't have a other than Ian Harks in the in the midfield who's trailed off a wee bit since his Player of the Month awarded they don't really have envies like constantly banging them in and don't have like players that are like making last ditch tackles all the time or anything like that so I I think we should we should be able to dispatch them with ease at Ibricks if I'm being if I'm being honest even without their Covid issues but you just never know
0: (laughs) Yeah they've only got 15 goals from, from 18 games so they don't they don't score loads but they also don't really concede that many either. I think it's 19 they've got um, so uh, I'm not expecting too much from them on that side, Andy. Um, would you make any changes to the team? I know consistency is is the theme. Um, obviously, I think, to be honest, we mentioned this um, the other day when we were chatting. The two positions up for debate are the two positions that have probably been up for debate for about two years, and that's one of the midfield positions and, and that right-hand-sided striker position. Those are the ones I think are going to change game to game. Um, our field, for me, I'm huge fan of Arfield. I'm delighted he's been back in the team. Uh, I do worry in terms of consistency of, of selection and injuries never never seems to be too far away from his thoughts. And I don't think he really did a huge amount in the game against St. Johnson. But on the flip side of that, that dynamic between him and Evo that we've been talking about, nobody else can really bring that to the team. So having him there probably um, would help that rather than just him himself. And then obviously the, the conundrum on, on the right hand side, whether it's I guess at this stage it's kind of psychological, really, with the beginning that you would you would change from Wednesday's team.
2: Um, I'm a fan of consistency, and again, it seems to be an outdated notion to stick with a winning team or, or stick with the guts of a winning team. And, and one of my criticisms was latterly of Gerard was I thought that were, were attempts to find form were hindered by the number of changes because I think rotation was becoming a it was becoming a hindrance as opposed to a help for 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 the uh, for us this season because I thought to get ourselves out of this kind of wasn't bad form you know but to get ourselves really firing again I thought get a starting you know fourteen not starting fourteen but a fourteen that you know you're going to have and and kind of stick them for a good two three four games which is a long time nowadays for for keeping a team. He, he, Van Broeijers kind of done that, and it goes back to what I was saying at the front of the show, which is you know sticking with Kamara, sticking with Arfield Um, he's, he's kept Bash in there, there's not been much choice. But I don't think it will tinker too much with the team, given where we're at. And if they're off fit and they're all feeling okay, then I think you you you've called it bang on. It's those those two positions. It's it's, it's basically a question is it Haji or Sakala. Um, and then in midfield, they might tinker a wee bit because I don't think he's used Lundstrom as much as, as as Gerard did. Davis has been, you know, as far as I can see, preserved. Um, Ryan Jack's obviously new for, for the foreseeable future. So the, the the backdrop, however, is COVID because this this introduced an element of Russian roulette to the whole league. And we're, we're going to be affected. Every team is going to be affected by this. Now, in theory, it should help us because if you've got the biggest squad, then you, you should have the least uh, ructions. But with COVID, you don't know because you don't know the numbers. Generally, if you're going to have one person, there's going to be another two, three, four. You just don't know how it's going to affect the the games in the short term. So, personally, if tomorrow, I would keep it pretty similar to St. Johnson, not, if not exactly the same. If we came out of it with no knocks, I've not actually watched the press conference. I must admit, but if we came through it with no knocks, no major major um, concerns, uh, then I would probably stick with it because there's a bit of, a bit of momentum building there, Adam. I, I don't know if you agree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's also a bit of respite as well. We've got eight eight days between Dundee United and St Mirren. Um, first time. Is that the first time this season we've not had? Uh, a midweek game probably <laughs> can't be far off yeah. to be honest so um, I think we maybe um, we'll maybe take that into account as well which um, is obviously good to get that bit of break and they can actually get a bit of time on on the pitch because we do have four huge games coming up um, which will, uh, will go some way to seeing how how things go and that will bring us to what 10, 11 games under Van Brockhorst and we can kind of yeah. take stock of, of where he is so um, yeah big few weeks ahead okay um, that will do us for tonight Laura thank you for joining me
1: Thank you very much, Adam.
0: And Andy, cheers. Thanks,
2: for having me on, Adam, pleasure as always.
0: And for those of you who are on Patreon, uh, first of all, thank you for signing up. There will be a there is a, a preview, I should say, of Dundee United. If you want more in depth uh, about that, which dropped at twelve o'clock today, so if you're not there, you can subscribe and, and listen to that. I will be back next week. I hope everyone has. I uh, hope, hope your team wins tomorrow, and hope everyone has a great Christmas.
2: Cheers. Want your name inscribed in the new Edmundston house? Then take part in Rangers Pools' Question of the Week. Answer this week's question for the chance to win exclusive Rangers prizes, such as matchday tickets, signed merchandise, plus there is an Edmundston house package up for grabs. This week's question is, who was Rangers' first ever player manager? Think you know the answer? Then go visit www.rangerspools.com and click on the Question of the Week banner on the homepage. Also remember, every time you play Rangers pulls your support supporting the club and the build of New Edmonstone House, all else being in to win some huge cash prizes. Best of luck.